Hello and welcome everyone to a sports ethos fantasy baseball podcast called It's Gone. I'm your host, Britton Allen, and today I have a great guest on. This is a man of many talents. He is the creator of the Sands Report, which is a fascinating newsletter that has lots of interesting articles and lots of good music takes, and we're going to talk about that, but this is also a man who writes for fantasy baseball baseballpods.com he wrote an article about going to the main event uh at the nfbc and i really want to get into that because that's that's really fascinating i love the nfbc leagues i haven't ever gone to an event but main event and i know they do some in vegas i think they do some in new york maybe chicago but it sounds like a whole lot of fun. So we're going to get into that. But my guest is also, as you can probably tell from going to the main events, is a very well-known fantasy baseball competitive league player, including several industry leagues. I, I, I say industry leagues, you know, the ones I'm talking about, the, the great fantasy baseball invitational, where last year, he finished in the top 10, I believe eight overall. And we're talking hundreds and hundreds of players in, in 2022. And this is also a man that I talked to David Mendelson of Triple Play Fantasy last podcast. And he specifically mentioned my guest name as someone he did not want to be in his league and wasn't very happy about it because he's such a good player. His name is Richard Sands. And I want to say thank you so much, Richard, for coming on uh, to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, gosh, after that introduction, <laughs> now I, I now I feel like I really have to perform. But uh, yeah, thank you very much. I mean, the, the reality is that, I mean, anybody who's listening to this podcast probably plays fantasy baseball and God bless you. But you know that uh, any season you can do terrible or you can do well. I mean, let's face it. It's like some of it just comes down to luck. You draft guys and you think you have a beautiful team and you get a grade from uh, that shows up on the website. Oh, you've had a tremendous draft. And then the season happens and half your guys get hurt and uh, other guys just have terrible years. And I mean, there's a huge amount of luck in it. And there's also obviously some skill that I've developed over the years and uh, uh, led to some success. And um, just thank you so much for such a generous uh, introduction. You're very welcome. And, uh, you know, I, I, I please follow Richard at uh, on his Twitter handle. It is at the Richard Sands, the uh, T-H-E Richard Sands, S-A-N-D-S. It's it's all one thing, no underscores or anything like that. And that's where you can go and check out Richard's uh, content. It's really great. And uh, one thing too, Richard, I noticed is that uh, on Twitter, like you, you put yourself out there and you're such a positive uh, person and everything that you add to the community, I've noticed, is 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 just positivity and it's it's great to have you know great to get to know you and great to meet you too and you know one of the things that i've also noticed is that uh your success in the like competitive leagues that we were talking about and as i said like last year you finished top 10 that's really hard to do <laughs> i mean 
really hard. And as you said, like, these are all people that take fantasy baseball very seriously. They have programs. They have computers, you know, like Whopper from uh, War Games back in 1983, uh, you know, all the supercomputers. And even with all that, a lot of things have to go right. I mean, yes. not everything, but yeah. a lot of things have to go right. So would you kind of tell us, not your secrets, but if you want to tell us a secret or two, that would be awesome. <laughs> like, let's take your most recent uh, TGFBI uh, draft. Where, what slot, since it's over, maybe you can give us a little insight. So, you know, you're not putting yourself at a dis disadvantage or anything. But yeah, yeah. Where did you pick from and what was, you know, tell us what your thought process was. Oh, yes. Well, uh, I picked uh, from number 11. That was not like a, for those who aren't aware, you get to, uh, it's called the K KDS draft style where you can choose your draft position and um, 11 is not my choice. I mean, it's like, it's probably my 11th choice came up uh, and uh you know, this year, I think there's kind of like five or six players that everybody would like to start with. But, you know, like, I don't know if there's a consensus around who who the best number 11 is. But um, the as far as how I draft and how I uh, prepare, um, you'll be happy to know one of the things I do to prepare is listen to podcasts, including yours, which, wow. uh, yeah. Uh, which You're is, too kind. You are too kind. <laughs> it's absolutely true. And uh, I know you haven't had that many episodes, but I think I've listened to each one of them. And uh, at the very beginning, before you had guests, you uh, you do go through five or six players. People should listen to and go back into your past and you recommend certain players or uh, people that, that might be good. I do that with you and with many other podcasts. So part of the preparation is actually listening to people. Now, there's a plus to that, which is, wow, that uh, I hadn't thought of that guy. Oh, that sounds great. Uh, um, Britain's uh, pulling him out and uh, highlighting him and saying what's good about him. Uh, so I listen to your podcast. He's great. Then I turn on somebody else's podcast and it's like, let's go over our losers for you know, <laughs> this guy. Will not, I will never draft this guy in the first round, the second round, the third round. And so forth. Right. And one person's bust is another person's breakout. Right. And, and so, it, I mean, like, I think I can go through every single guy that I think, well, I should draft that guy. Then I heard somebody else say, don't draft that guy. <laughs> certainly not in that, not in that round. So uh, some of it is like kind of like uh, weeding out the noise that you hear. It's like, and you have to kind of decide, well, I listen to all these different podcasts. I read these various articles. Now, which ones should I pay attention to and uh, who do I really trust? And some of that, is going to just be based on your own gut intuition of like, um, who do you think is, uh, you know, do I like, like what this guy is saying? Does it kind of jive with what I'm saying? And uh, that, you know, that's somehow that your gut plays into the thing. If you played, played for as long as I have, which um, not to give away my age, I'm, I'm not young. I've been playing since the early 90s, basically, which is um, many people in the um, fantasy community weren't even born yet, right? So uh, I've been playing a long time, so I picked up a few things along the way. Now, as time goes by, the game has changed, I think, you know, a little bit. And certainly the analysis of the game has changed tremendously, I would say, in the last 10 years with the Sabermetrics and 
um, in the old days, it was basically just like, uh, you know, the back of the baseball card stuff, the average home runs runs. But let me just say for those who are just starting out, those are the five by five categories that we play with. They're important, right? So it's like all the other stuff that comes into it of like, uh, you know, uh, I mean, there's so many letters that exit velo, you know, right? I mean, uh, like launch angle. That, yeah. They're just one after the next of like, you know, I'll listen to podcasts and the guys will be talking about the pitching. And it's like, I've been playing this game, you know, for 30 years. I have no idea, you know, like why that statistic is important or, yeah. you know, like wh what does it really mean? Because, you, you know, those of us who are trying to play, it's like, should I draft the guy or not? You know, is he going to have a good year? Is You know, how's he going to do? Is he going to hit a home run? Is he going to get the RBIs? So some of those things are like, you know, they, you know, I can't even think of the letters that go with them. You know, the, the O swing. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's a stat. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what is it? You know, I don't know. I mean, some M MIT grad about, like <laughs> made that up and, fi and figure figured it out. And, you know, I, I, I'm like, uh, I'm like that too. Like, I just want to watch baseball and, you know, I could, <laughs> I could tell if, if he's got his fastball today or not, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah but I'm with you on that. That's yeah, so. Uh, so then, um, you know, so my process is basically listening and reading and um, coming up with a list of the players that um, that I, I like. And I kind of um, I do quite a few drafts so you can have different strategies in each draft. So like in the uh, TGFBI that we're talking about, um, uh, I think I started off with a, with a hitter in the first round, which was uh, Mookie Betts. Yes. And then in the second round, um, the uh, Burns was still on the on on the board, so I picked an ace pitcher. Now, a lot of times I just go hitter, 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 but in this case it was like, well, let's try something different. So I went uh, hitter, pitcher, and then I took another hitter, and then I took another pitcher, which was uh, Bieber, and um, so I ended up with kind of like uh, pocket aces, which is uh, you know, bat pit flip uh, Toby's. Uh, trademark name for picking right. two two ace pitchers at the beginning now that wasn't in the first and the second round but two out of the four great pitchers and then you know i kind of built a team around that which had and taken a lot of offense after i took those two pitchers that was di different than what i normally do but yeah go ahead yeah let me ask you a couple questions first because yeah. this is fascinating so you're picking 11 was jordan alvarez still available uh let's see because he just started to swing a bat like today or yeah. maybe it was yesterday. And I think he was the biggest red flag in the first round. Obviously, 40 home run talent. Yeah. But uh, I was curious as to what, you know, did you pass on him? Was he already taken? Uh, if you hold on just a second, I'll pull up the draft board and take a, take a look here. Um, I have a feeling uh let's see no he went 12 so i i took bex at 11 or Jordan alvarez went 12. interesting yeah i think i think he's like a uh a, 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 literally like a boomer bus player because yeah. you know he's he had that hand problem you know all last season played through it won a world series i just feel like at some point if it's if it's a chronic degenerative problem for a 25 year old they have to fix it with surgery but you know, just for his like long term, long term health, you know. But uh, 
But I, I, I think that's like, I think they, the, they, you know, where's Waldo? Like, where's Jordan in the first round? <laughs> that was what I know. Where, where yeah. somebody drafts him every first round because the, the talent is crazy high. But yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And I, I have a draft tomorrow, and I pick twelve, and so. You know, you try to think ahead of like, you know, how you strategize what you're going to do. And will I take uh, Alvarez if he's still on the board? The one thing that I generally try to come away from a draft with is a balanced team. And part of the balance is steals. And uh, he gives you no steals. Yeah. But, but I mean, he also could hit 40 home runs and hit 300 and be the best hitter in baseball. So some of these decisions are kind of tough. But then if, let's say you do take Alvarez then you have to plan for where am I going to get my steals? And some people say this season, well, we're not going to have to worry so much about steals because uh, the bases are a little bit bigger and the uh, the pitch clock is there and you can only throw over to first base three times, which really means two times because once you've thrown it over twice, you're not going to throw over the third time unless you're sure you're going to get them. And so there's going to be you know more steals most likely coming up this season. So it might not be quite as hard to get steals, but you hate to leave the first couple of rounds without any steals. So if you take Alvarez, like the guy who followed me, I can see took Alvarez. And then in the next, uh, in the second round, he took Devers. So he's starting off with some real solid power numbers and, uh, Real yeah. solid counting sets. So that means that manager better move up Esteri uh, Ruiz or uh, Ezekiel Tovar. Yeah. Go ahead and move move them up a couple rounds because they're going to need to 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 latch on somebody right. that can well, steal some bases. I, just looking at his draft, I mean, he took Alvarez and he took Devers. Uh, then he took Verlander to get an ace pitcher. Then he took Aldis, who could give you 20 steals. But then he took Eloy Jimenez, who once again is no steals, and Xander Bogarts in the next round. So that's basically – he came out of the um, six rounds with 10 steals. Uh, yeah, you I, know, fifth, 15th place. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know about that, but that. I'd be very nervous to do that. So, But that's okay. That can yeah. work. That just means it's Alberto Mondesi time yeah. In, yeah. in Boston. Let's see what happens. I couldn't believe that trade, by the way. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, he's in a contract year, too. This is his walk year. He's 27. So, uh -huh. Uh, I don't know. He's he's another player that I'm always fascinated with, like because the potential is so crazy. But then so are the so's the injury risk. So yeah. let me ask you a question about your second round. So Corbin Burns, you know, infamously had that arbitration hearing, and then some some enterprising sports writer or, or reporter actually like caught him outside, and I think in hindsight if he had had a day or two to, you know, let the emotions kind of simmer down, he probably wouldn't have said the things he said. Um, but so Corbin Burns for the Milwaukee Brewers had an arbitration hearing where, you know, that and it's business and they argue about money, but in these arbitration hearings, the teams make points to uh, three arbiters uh, about why that player shouldn't get money. And, you know, it's like I said, it's business and everybody's an adult and all that kind of thing. But still, baseball players are human beings, too, and they don't want to hear their team talk bad about them when, you know, they they grind and give their heart, blood, sweat and tears for a team. And, yes, they're well paid, of course. But still, you know, it's all relative in MLB. So, you know, that's interesting with Corbin Burns. And I know that's anecdotal, but I just uh, I think Corbin Burns is going to stick it to the Brewers this year. I mean. I, not to the Brewers. I mean, stick it to every team he plays to show the Brewers brass that we're talking bad about him. 
how good he is. I love Corbin Burns in the second round because you got him at eleven, right? So it wasn't like at the turn. I mean, you 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 know you were you got him, you know, in in the second round at a at a at a great spot. Yeah, I think that that's another key to drafting is to like, let's say I was, I said I I draft twelve in a draft tomorrow. Uh, also, uh, an industry draft. It's BARF, the Bay Area, Bay Area something fantasy. <laughs> uh, and uh, now there, there's different uh, teams throughout the country. Uh, but every region's got one of those BARF leagues, and, and and you know there's one in Chicago, and there's one yeah, of those. Right. And I'm, I live in Nashville. Like, I, can I get a SARF league? I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know who's in charge. I'll have to. I'll have to find you know somebody that can do it for some of the the, the I guess the southern states or something like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, that I think that, you know uh, this will be my first year, so it was very exciting to to be invited in. Uh, Justin Mason uh, runs our our local outfit here. Everybody knows Justin. It was, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Sleeper in the bus did all of his podcasts and um, and the great uh, fantasy baseball invitational that we that we were talking about. Uh, but the point I was going to make about Burns is uh, you can't go into a draft like already deciding what you're going to do in the first four rounds because you never know what's going to come your way. So uh, I took bets. I had no intention of necessarily uh, taking a pitcher in the second round. But when Burns fell all the way to tr- pick number 20, uh, you know, in the back of my mind, I thought if you know, by some chance, you know, Burns or Cole makes it here, I probably would, would take them. So I did. So I think part of drafting is being flexible and, you know, you can build a team any which way you want, but um, if you can start off with, with a good hitter and a good pitcher, you, I think you're a little bit ahead of the game. Now uh, I, I just think that's a key is to be flexible. You got to take what the draft gives you. And I think that that was a really good get in, in the second round. Um, Oh, it was a great guy. Uh, and you're right to the it because it, it's hard to take uh, any pitcher in the second round because you see like good hitters. You know, yeah. like there may have been a Bo Bichette out there or something. And of course, your natural instinct, not you, Richard, I, I, I'm talking me, I guess. And my natural instinct is like, oh, I want to grab that hitter because hitting is flashy and bat, bat flip and all that fun stuff. But yeah. you have to have the balance because it's five by five. OK, yeah, you right. know, it's it's all equal. And, you know, but pitchers are so boring. You know, they throw the ball and, you know, they, you know. Yeah. It's, it, it's it's tough. But, yeah, getting an ace like literally one of the best uh aces in baseball is is great and remind me i've i'm afraid i I didn't write it down but who was your third round pick yeah so uh to uh just to um reiterate what you were saying is like uh, hitters are good you you want to get hitters uh they're more fun to have i think but oh yeah uh, but uh having a solid pitching is very important because uh, those are part of the categories. Uh, so when uh, Marcus Simeon went next right after uh, Burns, which is interesting, then Mike Trout and Austin Riley and Goldschmidt and Ria Muto and Michael Harris. So it's kind of a hitting run right after that. But right. um, what I what I am then in the third round to answer your question, I took Jazz Chisholm. This first time in my life I've ever owned Jazz Chisholm. Owned, I don't know if you're allowed to use the word owned anymore. I think that now it's like, I have a share of Jazz Yes, jazz. I, I drafted Jazz That yeah. is wild i love jazz i 
he's one of my favorite players in the league. He's got the juice. He's got the swag, man. I, and one of my favorite pitchers is, uh, you know, Jake at DeGrom, which isn't, you know, uncommon or anything yeah. like that. But I remember maybe it was early last year when Jacob DeGrom threw him a hundred mile per hour heater at the top of the zone and Jazz jacked that thing into yeah. the stands. Yeah. And I remember DeGrom just kind of looked looked at it go and he goes, huh. <laughs> and I was like, that's Jazz Chisholm, man. He's got speed. He's got power. He's got swag. He's so exciting. I, I think that if he plays a full you know, not a full season. No, nobody plays a full season, but you know, like a 130, 140 games. I mean, he's a he's easily a 30 30 guy, easily, easily. But you know, uh, the only thing that I think maybe kind of holding him back is the health issues that he has. But he, he's so young, he may be over those. That that is a hot take pick right there in the third round that I, I, I love it like I'm I'm all for going going for the gusto because this is supposed to be fun I mean we yeah. all want to win he's a, yeah he's a very fun player and uh, I mean he's he's a really good example of what I was talking about earlier where you could listen to one podcast and it's like my pick you know for the third round is you know go for jazz chism and uh, there's yeah. a guy that's gonna go 30 30 and that but then you turn on the next one. It's like, I've always loved jazz chism, but this is way too high to take jazz chism. <laughs> you know, like it's too much risk. Uh, you can't take so much risk in the first few rounds, but, and you know, hey, you, being, you, being yeah. polarizing means you're, you're, you're important though, you know? So yeah. you, well, it, you, you don't want, you don't want people not to talk about you. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's kind of risky pick, but we'll see how it works out. And you just, you never know. It's like we were saying, I was saying at the very beginning, it's like, uh, some of it just comes down to luck. Now I picked him, so is that skillful? That I, you know, like let's say he turns out to be a first-round talent, which he certainly has the the ability to be a first-round talent next year, where he could oh, yeah. be one of the top. You know, he could be a Julio Rodriguez next year. You know, it's like hundred percent. Yeah, you know, like oh, he's a top five guy. You know, it's like why didn't everybody take him? But um, yeah, it's like he's never had a healthy season that I know of. But it, this could be the year. It really could. He's he's really exciting. I I love that pick. It's it's got that sizzle. It's got that bacon grease. You know, <laughs> when you walk into a restaurant and or a diner and you can smell that bacon, that delicious <laughs> bacon, and you're like, oh, I'm in the right place. That's Jazz Chis home with his talent for the Miami Marlins. But yeah, uh, and I don't want to go. I don't want to bore you with going through every single one of your rounds or anything like that. But um, so. Uh, the TGFBI, uh, as Richard was saying, is five by five with Fab, and I'm not a, I'm not a huge lover of Fab leagues, to be uh, perfectly honest. And I do love the NFBC, but I'm more of a draft and hold player. Yeah, just because it highlights what I love, which is drafting. You know, the it's those NFBC yeah. draft champions leagues are 50 rounds, 15 teams. So I did the math. I checked it. That means 750 players get drafted. And that means you're going deep into the the S. Yeah. You know, you're you're looking for anything or, or for anybody. And not that there's anything wrong with the Fab leagues uh, too. But I know you're a big NFBC guy, and you went to the main event, which I've always wanted to do. I haven't. Uh, I you know I just started doing NFBC leagues a couple years ago. So did so. I. Yeah, so I'm trying to work up a bankroll a little bit. It's not working. I'm trying. Yeah, the, the, um, 
the the main event is what we're talking about now, which is something that uh, I only started hearing about it a few years ago. You know, it's like it never, you know, I didn't even know about NFPC. You know, it's like I heard those initials, but it didn't meant nothing to me. I kind of started off in Yahoo and mm-hmm. just played Yahoo pretty exclusively. And it wasn't until the pandemic year that I kind of branched out and did some drafts during the time when the baseball was all together shut down and um, kind of expanded out outwards and uh, was on fan tracks and then somehow got invited into a, a NFBC league. And that, so I've only been doing it since 2020. And um, I did some draft and holds. That was a new format to me. I'm much like you. It's like, I think, every, I think probably every single person listening to this podcast loves drafting. I mean, like, uh, you know, if you're a hardcore fantasy baseball player, drafting is like the most fun there is. And uh, it's draft season, so we're having a great time. And uh, the NFBC really scratch, you know, if you've got a, an itch, you can scratch it there because before even the, the draft and hold leagues or during the same time, they came up with a whole new concept, which was the Gladiator League, which was, that's just 23 round draft and hold. You draft just the starters. There's no, there's no fab, which is, you know, when you can uh, purchase a player during the season and uh, there's no ads, there's no drops. These are the 23 guys you're going to battle with. And uh, if anybody gets hurt, forget it. That guy's out. And, you know, I- I uh, did one, <laughs> Richard. I did one gladiator league, and I screwed it up so bad. I don't think I read the rules or something. Uh, On that league, I have Frankie Montas. Yeah. Oh no! But this was before. This was in November, right? Because yeah, yeah, it was like November, they, they, December. They, yeah, yeah, they did the gladiator leagues early, and then had to cut them off for yeah. you know what, whatever reasons. But I've got, I've got Frankie Montas. I've got Alberto Mondesi in that league, and I. Uh, I, 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 I unfortunately auto-picked one pick. And the sad part was this player was in my queue for some reason. It's mm-hmm. Shea Langoliers. So yeah. I auto-picked yeah. a catcher, <laughs> which is literally the dumbest thing you can do, especially in this format. And yeah. I don't. I probably shouldn't bring bring any of that up, but it was so ridiculous. I, I that, so I, I was watching the. Anytime I hear the Gaudi, the Gladiator leagues from NFBC, I start laughing because I was like, "Wow, I I learned a lot." But man, I learned it all the hard way. Uh, yeah. Just that's a that's fantasy baseball. After this, yeah, a lot of it is a lot of it's just learning through experience, and uh, you know, you learn your lessons as you go along, and. Um, you still have to be flexible because you know what you learn this year might not be true next year. But 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 you other bring up another good point to process, which is um, you know a lot of people to keep spreadsheets and um, I don't know how to Excel. Yeah, I've never met an Excel sheet that I can understand. So I just it. take, but I do take uh, a piece of paper, blank piece of paper, and I put together uh, a. a what looks like uh, the infield and the outfield and uh, the uh, corner infield and your utility and your middle infield and your pitcher slots and your bench slots. And as you go through the draft, I fill in that position. So just at a glance, I can see basically what I have and what I still need just as far as the positions are concerned. So 
So I don't run into like, oh, I just drafted Shay Langoliers. Oh, wait a second. I already had a utility guy and he only worked. He's only utility only. Now what right. do I do? So you've got to kind of keep track as you go. Some people can use a spreadsheet and, uh, you know, they, everybody has their own methods, I think. But uh, I do think that that's important so that you don't get lost within the draft because it's very, very easy to do. Uh, you can... You know, you're so concentrating. Well, who am I going to take next that you kind of forgot? Oh, I already drafted a shortstop and now I just drafted another shortstop. Well, I guess he's my middle infielder, but I didn't really mean to have two shortstops, that, you know, after four rounds. So um, you do think, have to develop some kind point. of system. Yeah, keep, yeah, you, you, you keep have to like write it down and yes. say first base, like, okay, these are the players I've drafted that have first base eligibility. Right. So you can kind of see it in black and white because exactly it's visual. I, you need the visual to be there because. Uh, you want to kind of keep track, not just of like the positions that you have, but also somewhat uh, some idea of like, uh, you know, we were mentioning earlier, the guy who drafted after me that had had like hitter, 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 hitter. But they were all hitters that don't have steals. And, uh, you know, like as you're going along, you might be doing a rough, a, a rough thing in your mind of like, well, I've got bets. 10 steals, you know, uh, jazz chism. If everything works out 25 steals, maybe even more. So now I know I've got, after the first three rounds, I've got 35 steals. Um, if everything goes well and you kind of yeah, have to keep track that's the balance. Yeah. You got to keep the balance and keep track of like, Oh, Oh my gosh. I, I can see here and looking at what I've got so far after five rounds, I, I don't have any power. So then you kind of have to like, um, do a little twirl and get get into like well who is still on the board that might have power uh, uh, all of it basically has to be done from from the end too like well what can i get at the end of the draft that I, that, that I, so i don't have to take it here and in the old days you used to be able to say like well i know for sure there's going to be a bunch of 30 home run hitters down there at the bottom so you know if i don't have any power here at the beginning i get near the end and i can take the adam duvall's of the world or you know so but it's a kind of a process that you're going in reverse. And um, that, at least that's the way I do it. And I try to know who who's there. And the, you mentioned the draft and holds that we did uh, leading up to this, which is very, very valuable because you learn the player pool and you know basically where they are being drafted. Like, you know, it's this guy in the 500s, the 400s, the 300s, the 200s. And uh, it can very much help you with knowing what to do at what time. You know, it's like, well, I still like in this draft that we're talking about the the um, TGFBI. Um, I got to a certain point, and I still had two outfield positions open, and it got to be you know like the twentieth round or the twenty first round, the twenty second round. Yeah. It's like at some point you're going to have to fill in those outfielders. But if you've already kind of done a few drafts, you know that there's still uh, you know people that you can fill in there to you know be your kind of the back end of your your outfield. So. Uh, that, you know, part of the process is knowing who's out there, not just taking the best guys as you go along. You can't, you know, like, yeah, you want to take the good players, but if you just, uh, you're only concentrating on like, this guy's great. I love him. This guy's great. I love him. This, and all of a sudden you've got a team that is not well put together. And it also, uh, is going to maybe cause you problems when you get down to the end, you're going to have to draft people that do not give you the statistics you need. And this is totally a game of stats. You know, it's like, it's not who you have, it's how much they add up to at the end. And um, I, I think some people don't really get that. And that's part of the reason why maybe they don't do that well. It's like they've done a lot of analysis. You know, I know, all, you know, oh, this guy's great. 
I did all this work. I can see from, from, you know, um, seeing his hard hit rate and so forth. That that's the kind of guy I'd like to have on my team, but that, that isn't necessarily the way you win the league. The way you win the league is by coming up at the end of the, you know, at the end of the draft and you've got the most home runs, runs, stolen bases and so forth. Not that the fact that you've got the all-star team of the very best guys at each individual position. Yeah, that that's totally right. I, I like this year, like what you were saying, this guy's great. Like Reese Hoskins is great. He's in a contract year. He hits in Philadelphia, which is a great place to play. He's going to have a good year, but is he really all that different than the first baseman, you know, down way, you know, a little bit down the line, like Ty France or like how, like that is that difference enough to justify taking Reese Hoskins over a slew of good to great, you know, first baseman that you may be able to draft a little bit later. So it's that balance. Like you said, it's, it's taking all that into consideration. And one thing I take into consideration when, when I'm drafting shortstop in the back of my mind, I always say Elvis Andrews is like, is going like ADP 500. I yeah. don't, I don't need to reach on Hassan Kim right here or, yeah, you know, yeah. wh whatever it is. Yeah. Whoever they, it's like kind of an escape. You need to have an escape hatch almost for every position. It's like, Oh my God, I got, got here. And I, I you know, five third baseman just went off the board third base is so weak. Oh my God, what am I going to do? But then you, then you realize, well, wait, you know, there, there are a couple of guys way there, down there, down there, there near, near the three hundreds that, you know, maybe they're not your, your favorite pick, but you know, if you, you know, end up with Anthony Rendon at third base. I was just about to bring him up, Richard. I was like, I was just about to say his name. That is so weird because it's like, Okay, Raphael Devers is great. He just signed a big contract. He, you know, he's awesome. But is he going to be that much different than Anthony Rendon batting cleanup all year for a great Angels team? Like, I, you know, maybe. But yeah, Anthony I mean, they're Rendon, all, yeah. They're all yeah. yeah, you're always having to do that balance. And it's like, you yeah, read my kind of, mind. Yeah, but, it kind of comes up to like, well, this guy, yeah, he's worse, but he's only five home runs worse. But, you know, like at this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm drafting the second round. I get this other guy, you know, add uh, 10 home runs. I mean, it's all this balance that you're doing the whole time. And it's, Absolutely. Uh, I mean, even if you're not that mathematical, and I don't think you are, or, or no. I, you know, I mean, you still, <laughs> there's not some part all. of your brain that works in that way where, you know, like maybe you can't do the addition, <laughs> the addition <laughs> and the subtraction <laughs> and the multiplication, but you know, like uh -oh. if I add this guy, uh, along with this guy down here, twenty rounds later, that 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 might be better than taking the the, the two guys up here because the total isn't isn't any better than what what you had. It's it's not that different. I mean, Anthony Rendon in the seventeenth round, you know, he obviously he, the reason why you get him in the seventh drafted in the seventeenth round is because he hasn't had a good year since he was yeah. a Washington National. Yeah. But you got to figure he's going to have at least one good year, and I think this is the year with Otani in a walk, you know, in a walk con a contract year and Trout yeah. fine. So that, and I, I've, I've probably beaten that to 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 a, a pulp. But yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with, but those things are important. I mean, like that, you know. It's, now it also helps if you draft more than one team. If you're only going to have one team, maybe you don't want to have Anthony Rendon. It's like I, you know you don't want to sink or swim with him. But if you have many teams, or you know like four teams, uh, you know he can be on one of your teams. 
What's your closer strategy for? And uh, I, I don't have your. <laughs> that wasn't a good. <laughs> what's your? Uh, because, oh, yeah, that's, that's a good, really good topic. Okay. Yeah, now, yeah I, I would like. To, I'd love to hear yours because I did something that I typically don't do in my TGFBI draft. I drafted Josh Hader in the third round, and I don't. You know, especially in a Fab League, I really don't like doing that with closers but as candlebox said i did it anyway <laughs> and i i don't know why i just did it i i just did but so um so tell me what 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 your strategy is on a and, and let's do fab first because it, it totally yeah. changes in a draft and roll yeah, totally it, it's yeah. like night and day it couldn't yeah. be different but in tg uh fbi what was your closer strategy once again, a shout out to another podcast, Greg Jewett, who uh, is a reliever recon. Re, re, uh, yes, that's a, uh, a great he's an excellent fight. follow for people, and also uh, he does a Patreon. I think it's maybe three dollars a month. It's very worthwhile because very uh, worth he, it. Yeah, he he keeps you up to date on you know, like during spring training right now. Every day he writes something about all the you know each guy's performance during spring, but um, the a reliever is is really tough right now. I think. Um, uh, I think that the kind of the industry lean right now is like, well, you better get one of these top guys, you know, even in a fab league, I think, you know, like, let's say there's 10, maybe 11 true closers. Right. So right. people are saying like, I'm, I better, better get them now. Uh, and that's the way I, I also have been drafting, you know, like in the first five rounds, maybe try to take, I don't I have yet to take class A or Diaz, uh, not that they're not worth it, but, you know, like you're giving up quite a bit if you take a second round closer, right? I mean, there's a lot of other positions you're not filling once once you've gone gone that way. But the a hundred percent. Yeah. And I and Richard, I know this. So <laughs> why did I take Hayter in the third round? But, but I, also, no, to to, you know, I don't think it's a terrible pick because uh, the very best closers, uh, you know, I was just noticing today that Diaz, I think last season had like 118 strikeouts or something. I mean, it was, it was over hundred. And so that really does add to your strikeout total. Whereas, you know, the other closers that, that are still good, maybe give you 60 or 70, right? So you've got a 30 or 40 and, and Hader also, I think had 99 strikeouts. So you are getting a certain advantage by taking them over everybody else who took a closer in the fifth round and his closer has 60 strikeouts let's say so you i don't think it's that stupid but on the other hand since i have done quite a few drafts you can experiment right and so part of the experimentation was like wait a second do i really need to be taking a fourth or fifth round closer and i uh started to say well well i can wait and uh earlier in draft season you could get clay holmes and uh, let's say pick 120 or something like that. And, but slowly he's moving up. I think maybe he's up to about 80 in the average draft position. But uh, I saw you know, an interview. I saw an interview. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I saw an interview with Clay Holmes the other day. It was one of those spring training games and they, they send the sideline report. I can't remember her name, but she was, she was really good. And she was asking him questions. Clay Holmes is a strange dude. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. a, that was my takeaway from his yeah, interview. No like his answer, he had like a Zach Granke feel uh -huh. to, to him. I don't know if you've ever seen Zach Granke's interviews and takes. And he said he said some some things, and you're just kind of like, 
huh all right <laughs> well okay <laughs> cool. well, yeah but it, i mean not that like, has that has yeah. nothing to do with yeah but it's, a, yeah, it's like a, i mean we don't even have to know their personalities is basically like no, what yeah. are you going to give us you know like what's your statistics uh, but the point is that uh in this particular draft i did not take a closer up front and i you know I would have liked to at various points, but it, you know, every time it kind of like came around in my turn, it's like, well, I don't want to go over that guy, so just forget it. So I ended up um, just waiting on closer, and you know, it's we'll wait and see how that works out. But in this particular draft, I ended up with Leclerc, uh, Carlos Estevez, uh, Jorge Lopez, or George Lopez—I don't know how he pronounces it—as uh, yeah. like three closers but they you know they came in like from you know like round 12 to 20 as opposed to one of the first you know five rounds where you basically have to go to get one of the top 10 or 11 closers so uh you know again, it, it's a it's a fab league yeah it's a fab so, yeah so you it, asked about fab so yeah you know, if right. it doesn't work out like uh, you can fab your way in like last year uh in the main event uh, I came away with um, one real closer, uh, Jordan Romano, but mm -hmm. I ended up, uh, you know, bidding on other closers. I got Clay Holmes uh, in that league. And in um, TGFBI last season, I fabbed, um, uh, what's his name from the Colorado Rockies, Bard. And, oh, Daniel Bard? He yeah, was Daniel awesome. Bard, and year. it turned out great. Yeah. I mean, so like the fab leagues where, you know, I think it was about 75 bucks, which probably nobody at the time was like, oh, you know, I'm not paying $75 for, for the Colorado Rockies closer. You know, this was after the first week or something. Maybe I, wish I, so, I wish I had an excuse. I really <laughs> do. I, I, I mean, drafting a third round elite closer in a draft and hold makes perfect sense. Um, but not in a fab league. And I don't so think the, it's right. No, no, no. You can't be that hard on yourself because it might work uh, out. That he, there's a tremendous pick. Uh, you know, like that reminds me of, you know, sometimes mistakes really can work out. Like last year in the TGFBI league, it was early in the morning. I was on the clock and I was trying to decide between uh, Dylan Cease and you Darvish. And it was like back and forth and back. You know, it's like you have four hours, I think, on the clock. So people who draft can relate to this. So you're like really you know, going crazy and pulling your hair out. It's like, right. which one should I, well, I take this one? Do I take this one? I, I have no idea. And then, then I clicked on Dylan. I, you know, I decided um, uh, I would like you Darvish, but for some reason I clicked on Dylan season. Oh my God. I, that's like not the what one happened? I, yeah. Oh my God. I, I was looking at the other guy's name and, but I clicked on this guy's name. That, that worked out. And it, and it that worked out. Hours, but I, you, like, I was practically in tears. You know, it was like, it's like, oh my God. It's like, you know, in reality, you, I could have, I suppose, like, uh, called for the administrator. I think you're allowed to, re you know, reverse your Yeah, pick press the button or whatever. Yeah, press the button, say, like, I screwed up here. But, but, in the, but I stuck with it. And it turned out like that, like Dylan's, Dylan Cease, even though as a season going into the season, there was a, a quite a bit of chatter of like, oh, this guy's got a, you know, too many walks and he's kind of, you know, has very bad control. And, um, I mean, I probably would have worked out just fine with you, Darvish. I think he also had a good year. But my, my point was, sometimes mistakes work, and you you drafted uh, 
a closer in the third round, you're kicking yourself now, but it might turn out that like, it's going to look brilliant by the end of the season. So, you know, I'd stop kicking yourself and just, <laughs> just wait and see how it goes. Well, I appreciate that. You, you're yeah. being pretty kind. And that actually, happened no, not a, I'm not being kind. I mean, I, that is just the truth. That is just the truth. It was just like you, it's not a terrible pick. There's many, many people's team builds have him in the third round. I don't think that, you know, he certainly doesn't last till the fifth round, you know, so it's the third or fourth round if you wanted him. And I don't think it's going to ruin your season. Let's just put it that way. Uh, that I will we'll definitely see. Thank you very much. And I, I had that same experience last year. I was uh, in a NFBC 50, which, you know, granted is pretty low stakes, but uh, it was in the second round. And I was deciding between three outfielders, Teoscar Hernandez, Aaron Judge, and uh, who was the third outfielder? I I can't remember, but I really wanted Teoscar Hernandez last year, like everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. a, a lot of people did. And I even had him valued over Aaron Judge. But Teoscar got picked right in front of me. And then so I was like, oh, Aaron Judge. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. I was like, all right, fine, whatever, click. Yeah. That was like the one league that I like ran away with it. And the yeah. only reason I won is because of the Aaron Judge pick that I didn't want. Yeah. You know? And that's so true. And it's like, you know, that happens all the time. You're sniped on somebody and it's like, Oh, now I got to pick this guy. I didn't really want him, but yes. <laughs> what am I going to do? And then, yes. then it worked out. So, I mean, like that is just like, if that isn't fantasy baseball in a nutshell, I don't know what is, but I mean, like, you know, it's like, you didn't want the guy. It turned out all. Like, Aaron Judge was so far ahead and shoulders above everybody else the last oh, season. Yeah. The, the, the season of seasons. Yeah. I mean, the batting average was, what, like 310? I mean, it, yeah, it was. Steals, you, you know, 60 home runs and so forth. I, it, yeah, it was, it was like, you know, not Barry Bonds-esque, but a dominant, like you it. know, yeah, in relation. Was, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah I mean, comparatively. Yeah, he had 310. 16 stolen bases, 62 homers, 131 RBIs, 133 runs. I mean, come on. That's ridiculous. Yeah. That That is so ridiculous. And even if he does half that this mm -hmm. year, you know, that's still going to – well, I don't – yeah, <laughs> that's still, still pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and he still doesn't go number one in most drafts. I mean, you, you certainly can make a case for him there. What, who would you pick number one? That brings up a good question, yeah. Richard. Like, what, how, how, do, how would you value – if you had uh, – uh, you know, the number three pick uh, today at a main event, yeah, the number three pick, who are you hoping falls to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, my number one guy would be a Cunha, Ronald Acuna. I think, uh, you know, he's got like 40, 40 upside. And uh, he, even last year when he didn't have the power, he still stole 30 bases. And that, that was one point where they were going to say like, well, I, you know, like uh, he probably won't have speed because he's got that knee injury. But but I mean, he's, he did run. So he's obviously going to run and yep. uh, maybe get the power back this year. So he, I think I would hope for he was going to fall to me at number three. But if, but if, let's say he went first and um, Julio Rodriguez went uh, second. I might take Aaron Judge third. Uh, some of it comes down to at this point of like, well, who do I have shares of and who I don't? Because sometimes in the first round, you really want to diversify because uh if you end up with the same guy on all your teams and that guy gets hurt, it really, really crush you. I'm a hundred percent behind that. And I try to do that, you know, pick at different spots in the, in the first round so that I'm not consistently picking the same player, but yeah, I also like picking in the middle, you yeah. know, you know, seven, eight, nine, some, somewhere in there in a 15 team uh, league. Uh, I, so, 
Yeah, I, a lot of people are, but you know, I've drafted a few times on the ends, mostly 15, not, not one, but uh, I kind of like having two picks. You yeah. know, there's something about knowing ahead of time, even though you got to wait a long, long time until it comes back to you, that you're not just picking one, you're picking two, and somehow you can kind of strategize a little bit better. Whereas when you're in the middle, there's no way of knowing who's coming back to you in the middle because, you know, you take one guy, it's like, I, well, I hope this guy might you know, last another 15 players. But if you're at the end, you got, you kind of are in control a little bit and you can start the runs, but you can't like, you might miss out on runs too. But And another thing that's kind of like, it's almost liberating being on the end because if you want your guy, you, you got to grab him. Yeah. You, you, you've you, got no, to. he's not. You can't wait 30 no. coming back. So you take the ones you, you, you want to build your team around and it's kind of fun that way. I mean, you know, you, you can win from anywhere, I think, and uh, uh, it's it's possible. But, you know, as, I, as we started off, uh, you know, I'm picking 12 tomorrow. That does not seem like that great of a place. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the only positive is that in the second round, uh, you know, you've got a pretty a choice of pretty good players, I think. But even then, it's like they're, they're not the first round guys. So I uh I was uh, not to bring it back to my Josh Hader pick, but I was, I was just, I just pulled it up and I'm looking at players that were picked right behind, you know, my Hader pick. It was like Randy Rosarina, Spencer Strider, Cedric Mullins. Yeah. Oh, Richard. Yeah. Oh, I, what happened there? Okay. Never mind. We'll, yeah. Well, we'll, you know, we'll, yeah, you can't go back. You know, you don't get to do it again, but you'll have one another. Point. One you point, another draft, one point you can like one gigawatts, you know, <laughs> get me in that DeLorean. I got to go back in time. You don't have, but you don't even have to go back in time. You are going to, uh, I assume, have another draft and you'll have a chance to do something entirely different. Well, I really appreciate that. And it has been so much fun. We're hitting up on the 50 minute mark and I try to keep everything around in a little under an hour. My guest today has been Richard Sands. Please follow him on Twitter at the Richard Sands. You're kind of like Ohio State University, you know, like the Ohio State University. <laughs> like, but in don't, the, Yeah, don't but confuse in, me. No, don't confuse Richard Sands with uh, the Ohio State University. Not that there's nothing, yeah. that, not that there's anything wrong with the Buckeyes. They're a perfect, perfectly wonderful uh, uh, university. But Richard, uh, I was so happy to reach out to you because I've got to interact with you a little on Twitter. And everything is great and positive. And I I really appreciate you coming on. I mean, I we can talk for another hour or two. Easily. Frankly. Why are you cutting us off? It's like we're, uh, yeah, it's, we're it's, having it's, so much fun. I know, but that's always good. Leave the I, I'm not in show business, but I've always heard, but you are. You're you are yeah. in the the uh, radio business. Like that's leave right. the audience wanting more. So that's what we're gonna do. And then during the season, uh, if hopefully, which kicks up in like a couple of weeks, I'm really pumped, excited about that. But I want to have you on back during the season. Hopefully, if you're not too busy, you can come back on and we can just talk more and we'll see how my Josh Hader pick is. <laughs> and you can say all the nice things that you that you can and try to try to lift me up out of that depression. Uh, but, I'm uh, sure I'll have stuff to kick myself about. But uh, uh, thank you so much for having me on. It was really, really a lot of fun. And I would I very much like to come back on during the season or at any time. Whenever you need a guest, just let me know. You are great. Thank you so much, Richard. I appreciate you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And y'all have a great day.